All right, welcome to another episode of Two Bros and a Podcast. I'm Greg Jackson alongside my older brother, Brian. It's been a few months, but this is our ninth episode, and we're going to go back to uh, something a little different since today is December 21st. And Happy Festivus, the 23rd. Yeah, there we go. Um, it is the 23rd. Good call. Um, so, we're, we're, you know what? We're going to try something a little different with this uh, podcast episode, kind of like the one we did with the Seinfeld episodes a few a few months back that we're going to air our grievances whether sports related or not and you know we don't i mean we we don't really get a chance to do this very often and the fact well, that, I, I do but the, the fact that we have the internet at our disposal why not so brian why don't you go on ahead and and get us started well, with your area of grievances as long as they're not directed at me because remember i'm the one that's recording this right now i've got a hodgepodge of them so pick a sport you'd like one out of you know what it is uh is you know what college football season's wrapping up? Do you have anything that's college football or NFL related? Uh, yeah. Let me let me get started with bowl season. We've got forty bowls, and I think that is about twenty too many. Uh, and I understand this could knock Mizzou out of bowl season in years like this, but I really, you know, a lot of times if a team is six and six. They've coasted through a four and bowl season or a non-conference season, and they've gone two and six in conference. And I think it's ridiculous to go two and six in conference, and that qualifies you for a bowl. Can you imagine what would be like if five hundred teams got into the NCAA tournament? Uh, well, that's another grievance, and a little bit later. <laughs> but I, I think it's ridiculous to have the number of bowls. I mean, we're sitting here watching uh, Akron and somebody playing, and it just. It doesn't move the needle for me. I know it's football, and I know my six-year-old will sit there and watch two crappy teams play, but that doesn't do it for me. I want to see teams that have, you know, eight wins or better going and slugging it out. You know, I if you're not 500 in your conference, you probably shouldn't be in a bowl. You know, and I, so my first area, I want to piggyback off that, and this is one that's really irked me more or less the past couple of years. Why do we have bowl games? Why is college football the one well, collegiate sport? I get why. I, you're right. You're, you're, you're flashing the dollar sign symbol. But again, why do we every other sport is bracket play? In, in, all, why, in all honesty. Why don't we do bracket play for college football? You well? want to talk about a cash cow, and they're starting to realize this with the four-game playoff. If they would expand that, and I know they They'd will harp. so much more money. I'm, I'm not even saying you stop at eight or even 16. High school does it with a 32-team playoff, and it works. Okay, you start it in mid-December, you're done by mid-January, you play, what, every week, every six days, five days, whatever. Like every Saturday, maybe some games on Friday, maybe some games on Sunday. If you play every, if you play a 32-game playoff every Saturday, okay, that's five Saturdays, that's basically four weeks in a day is what you're taking on. It's done in a month. And that would generate so much money because you're still getting your underdogs in. You're letting you're letting your your group of five team like a UCF in that will never get in. If if there's one thing you've realized, it's that it doesn't matter what you do in that play or in in UCF schedule. If you don't go knock off three stud teams in non-con and then run the table, you're not getting in the big boy playoff. And I think if they would move to a 32 team playoff, right? I I think it can be done. It can be done, and it's a cash cow that's just waiting for you it. You could do it this way, but I would highly suggest not doing it. Most other sports, like the conference champion, either regular season or tournament, 
makes the postseason. Well, yeah. You can, I don't think you and not every need conference. To do that not every conference. Your power five and your group of five. They all get in automatically. There's ten of your thirty-two in, and you can fill the rest. And just you can, fine. or you could do it like how D two or the NAIA or FCS do it, where you have like regional rankings, and like one through eight make it. So well, you have four regions and the top thirty. In like, I don't even think you go that far because let's be honest. A, a nine and three LSU team is going to generate a lot more buzz than an eleven and one group of five team, and, and and that's what you want. You want to see these these teams get in there, and you still let your underdogs in. Out of your thirty two teams, two or three might be your underdogs. We're giving them a shot. You have your shot to come in, take your swing. Probably won't work out most years because you're not going to run the table five times well, in a row. And I think that this bracket format would actually help teams like UCF do something because yeah. UCF, if it was like, like I was talking about, if it was a regional ranking, they'd probably still be a three seed at worst, and they'd play you'll, like a, 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 a six seed. You'll get your sponsors. And they get their win, and you could do a bowl. Your sponsors will be still affiliated. All and thirty-one bowl games could have a sponsor. Let's put it this way: it's coming. Okay, you've got a fourteen playoff now. It's ten years from now. I'm not even sure we'll be at an eighteen playoff. We might be at a sixteen team by then. It's gonna expand. It's not a matter of if. I, I've it's heard when. some people talk about an eight team, whereas you have each Power Five. Gets an automatic bid, like the conference well, champion, they they with should. three at-large bids, which gives ample opportunity for the non-power fives to have their say, or a runner-up in the conference that had a pretty strong eight, season to get a chance. We will go to eight eventually. That will be the next step, and eight won't be enough. And I know they say how tough it is. You know what? Five more games on the end. It's it's not as bad as it sounds. It, it's it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? You might have then. Maybe conference championships just don't matter like they used to. Yeah. Because both those teams in your Power 5 conferences... And you don't necessarily need to play those. You could Your regular well, season conference champ... Let's say Bama be. and Georgia play each other in the SEC championship. They're both going to make a 16 or 32 team playoff. So that conference championship really doesn't mean anything. At that point, you're going to be mailing it in. And you just they may not even get played for some conferences. Because if they're both making it in, what what difference does it make? So okay, so we, we we need that to happen. No no telling how soon or if it'll happen. But all right, Brian, what's your next airing? Pick another sport. Um, you know what? It's also basketball season, so why don't we jump onto that? <laughs> you mentioned, and and I've got kind of one that spans all of college, but I'm going to do the expansion NCAA tournament. All right. And how we've gone to 68, which I think was dumb. I, I didn't like the 64 to 65. I tolerated it. I didn't really like the 65 to 68, but again, I've tolerated it. It's going to happen at some point, and I'm not a fan of it, but they will go to 96. They will have essentially a play-in round where your lower half of all seeds play in, and I just think that's dumb because that takes away from that first weekend of just craziness and how much fun that is. It also takes away from the NIT, which it those does. teams... Well, essentially what you're doing then is you're combining the NCAA and the NIT. They, they were really trying to take away the NIT, and the NIT is actually quite entertaining. The problem is... You know, everybody's so focused well, on what's going on CBS and True TV and TNT and TBS. So they don't watch ESPN. The, and really, you want to talk about tough. Some of the, those NIT teams, some of them have to turn around and play that Tuesday. So once, they have less than 48 hours notice. Once the NIT made that change, though, to where you have to start, if you win your conference regular season, but right. not your conference tournament, you're automatically in. That started taking away from some that, of the, the big schools in now, NIT. If they want to expand the NIT to be 48 teams, I'd almost be okay well, with that. Well, I don't really care what they do with the NIT because let's 
let's be honest, nobody cares that and much. If about I remember, NIT. I think on the on the women's side, I want to say that WNIT is sixty four teams. So you have two yeah. sixty four teams. You know, NITs, it, it's whatever. I mean, I've gone to an NIT game. Oh, we've gone to two. Yeah, it's not. It, it doesn't move the needle for me. I like but it, I said, it, it's still basketball. Still, it is. It is. Basketball. It is. But it's not the NCAA tournament, and it never will be. Have that same buzz. I just think sixty four was was fine. Yeah, you have a few that didn't make it in, but you know, I'm fine with the exclusiveness of college sports, and and some of them struggling to make it in. So yeah, I'm stop the expansion to NCAA. I I can live with the sixty eight. Let's stop it there though. It does not need, you know, I I also don't like. You know those automatic bid teams. They did what they did to get in, and now you're telling them, "Oh, you don't actually get into the real tournament. You have to play into this mini tournament ahead of time on the Tuesday before, Tuesday or Wednesday before the tournament." I don't like that. You want to make the last eight at-large teams play in? Fine, because they didn't take care of business. But those those mid-majors that won their conference tournament, they should not be in a playing game. I'm sorry, that's that's ridiculous to me because they've done everything in their power to make it in and. You know, give them their day in the sun. Yeah, they're gonna go get kicked by, by you know, Kentucky or some stud team like that. You know, Arizona State. But don't don't make them play it in and and play a, a pseudo NCAA tournament game. All right. So really quick before we move on to the next one. Now you uh, were at the Missouri game earlier this week where the Tigers played Stephen yeah. F. Austin, yeah. which now they didn't have. They were barely above 500 last year, but this was a team that this you know team was, is... they were like thir- they were like 28 and five the year before that. I, you know, when I saw that game on the schedule, I said that's not going to be a gimme win. Well, that reminded me. It reminded me a lot of the North Carolina Central game from last year. Like this is going to be a tough. Brad, coming into Missouri. Brad Underwood didn't leave a whole lot on that team, and what he did leave was injured. And man, they, they are doing good things there. That team, I think, has a scarier half court defense than West Virginia. I know we talk about their full court press and how tough it is. West Virginia still has the best full court press in the country, but man, the the screen pressure that they put on, there was not a time a screen was set that they didn't double up on the ball handler in the half court. And it was it was relentless. It was they almost had that Mike Anderson uh, mentality. The hey, we're gonna foul you every time down the court, knowing the refs aren't gonna call every single one. And man, they hounded those point guards. And you know, more power to them. That that's a team nobody should want to face come March because that team will play with house money and with nothing to lose. And I really hope they win their conference tournament because they will be a fun team to watch. That's that's a sleeper team, a double digit seed to win a game or two. Not that they will, but man, that's a but, team that can really I've seen wreck. Joe Lenardi's bracketology. I think they're actually underrated. They I think he has them at thirteen, and I'm like, you know, well, they but, might be one but, of the your, best teams. But your highest is twelve. Right, and, and, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're at twelve. They're that good. They could let let's let's let the rest of the season play out first and see. But but again, that's a team nobody is going to want to see. No. Now the other NCAA related thing, and it's, it's it has to do with Jay Billis, and I should probably just unfollow him on Twitter because he's <laughs> relentless with his complaining about the transfer rules for the NCAA and about the money that they make and not passed on to the players. And you know what? I'm not saying I disagree with all this stuff. I agree with some of the stuff. I disagree with some. But let it go, Jay. You are you're beating the same drum over and over. It's it's getting to the point where it's like my three year old asking me the same dang question multiple times a day, every day. It's like just let it go. You've already made it known. You're 
you're not going to be the one making a change. So I, I just, like I said, I should just unfollow him on Twitter because he really doesn't add a whole lot to my timeline. Okay. Um, so I want to go back to football, even though we kind of already touched on it. I want to go mainly because this is back in the news in the NFL after this past weekend, and that's the catch rule. Can we figure out what the heck a catch? I'm sorry. I, I, I'll be honest. I was pulling for New England mostly because I want New England to be the one. I want them to be the one seed because if the Chiefs win their division and win that first game, I want them to play at New England and not Pittsburgh because I like their chances to uh, beat. They'll so always again, better so again, I was I was really rooting for New England, so I was really hoping it wasn't a catch. But come on, that was a catch. He you know, crossed the goal line with possession of the ball. What? Okay. It's stupid to have to you have to take I it all the way to the quote, ground. Unquote football move. I'm sorry. A football move is actually catching the ball. Well, and he crossed the goal line with possession. You know, we've done so many things to make this an offensive related league. You know, we we've done everything to protect the quarterback. We're freeing up motion for the wide receivers. Why is it that this is the one thing they're not doing to promote offensive output? If it's when in doubt, it's a catch in my book. Let, let's let's not make it tougher. I know the corners will always harp about this and that, but you know what? Let's let's make it to uh, people love more points. Nobody loves those ten to seven defensive stalwarts. Defense wins championships, but defense doesn't. Defense draw doesn't odds. make ratings. <laughs> and so again, like I said, I, I'm I, you know I'm glad that New England did end up winning. But come on, that was a catch. Let's be he's, honest. He's up on the rules. I, I agree with you there. Um, going and, and sticking with the NFL, and uh, this is one that. Probably will be the one most people that hear this disagree with. But I'm going to throw it out there that Jerry Rice just might not be the best wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Oh, hot take here. And All right, who do you think? His stats don't... And, and I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about just best wide receiver, period. I know he put up the best numbers. And big part of that's his longevity. Yeah. If I'm picking one of the two... Uh, or one of, t- one of two people, it's either Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss. And I'm probably going with Randy Moss because that guy does things that I have not seen people do. He was impressive. He's a freak athlete. He has speed that you don't usually have at that size. And he goes up and gets some balls that there's no nobody has any business getting. Now, that's not taking anything away from Jerry Rice. He's a stud receiver. He came from a small college. He wasn't extremely highly touted. And, man, he made one of the best careers in any sport I'm just not willing to say he's the best wideout in the NFL. He may be, but, man, I really enjoyed watching Randy Moss because when that guy stepped on the field, you knew something good was going to happen at Mm -hmm. any level. And, you know, like I said, most people will probably disagree with that, but I'll throw that out there. Interesting. See, I'd almost almost be tempted to throw Larry Fitzgerald in that conversation because, again, you know, He's won. At, I'm trying to remember. I think he's won. Or have they have they won a Super Bowl in Arizona since he's been there? I know they've been to one. They've or been two. to one. They didn't win okay. one. Okay. And and again. But okay. And again, if he was on a team, well, okay, Randy Moss went to New England and had probably well, a, had a heck of a season there. If Larry Fitzgerald was on a, uh, I'm not saying the Cardinals have been bad over the course of his career. If he was on a better yeah. perennial team, well, would maybe his a more explosive be quarterback. Yeah. If, if he, can you imagine if he had somebody like Tom Brady? Let's, his let's, whole career? let's not forget he had Kurt Warner early on. He did. At the end, Kurt Warner's at the end of his career. You, you know, and and. I mentioned Calvin Johnson, and I'd probably be more likely to mention him. Calvin Johnson left so much on the table. That guy was mm-hmm. a stud, and he walked away. I don't know. Kind of like, like Barry Sanders. Yeah, he did. And you, you, we will always wonder about Calvin Johnson, the same with Barry Sanders. 
how much could he have done? Because that guy was a freak athlete. What was he? Six five, six six, huge, two fifty. Like this is a guy that's borderline yeah. tight end size, and doing things that were just crazy athletic. If he would have played another five six years at the same production he'd have been doing. I might be mentioning him instead of Randy Moss because that guy was just crazy good. My my best receiver, and it's it's a slim margin, but I'm probably saying Randy Moss. You know, I, yeah, I can't really disagree with that because, I mean, let, let's be honest, Randy Moss was exciting as soon as he got into the league. Yeah, he bounced around a little bit, but you have to give him credit. That one season he had in New England when he was probably past his prime, I mean, that I thought that really solidified him as one of the best wide receivers. And I, I agree with you. I think he might actually be the best. Um, all right, so staying on football, this one just came up to me, and, and the only reason I bring this up is because I cover a lot of uh, college and high school football work, and this is one thing that has irked me and makes absolutely no sense to me. Why in college and high school are the hash marks wider than the uprights? Makes it tougher. But for the NFL, we're going to put them even with the uprights. So it's actually, I, I mean, it's easier. Forget about the spotting of the ball. I get that. But it's it's tougher. I mean, it, technically, isn't it tougher on kickers it, in the college and high well, school level than it is in the NFL if we do it that way? And, and they they have it set up that way less for the kicking than they do for creating more of a weak side, strong side. Right. And which I get it. And my argument is, can't we also leave those other ha- like? Can we leave those hashmarks in there for, for the for kickers? Because it makes. I'm sorry. It's hard. like in college, you have to actually worry about where the ball is spotted if you're on third down. If you're trying to go for a field goal, like so on fourth down, you automatically spot it on the narrower ones. Yeah, well, you, I mean, if it's third and long, you're trying to throw a pass over the middle of the field so that way the ball's lined up down the middle. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's. I've never under. I, I kind of get it, but to me, in the kicking game, I've never understood why it is that way. That just made no sense to me anyhow well the only sport i have any left on is baseball oh boy yeah that's fine okay what's your first one for baseball um the first one and it's more of a stats related thing but i think it's ridiculous that we don't consider it a no hitter if a guy throws a no hitter through nine innings but the game goes to extra innings it's not considered a no hitter because he didn't finish the game I think that's crazy. I'm, and I'm, I thought about this because back in August, uh, Rich Hill did this against the Pirates mm-hmm. and threw a, a no hitter. And of course, goes ten innings. He doesn't. I don't think he went out for the tenth. But anyway, he threw complete. Or maybe he did go out for the tenth and gave up a hit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, doesn't count because it's you know it, it wasn't a full game. And I think that's ridiculous. It's nine innings of no hit ball. You started it. You went through nine innings. I don't see why we're giving that any less than the others. I think that's crazy because you did the same thing. I'm sorry that you're uh, – it's not his fault the offense went and laid a freaking egg because he's a pitcher. What's he doing? He's one-ninth of the, of the offense. It's his fault because the offense didn't show up that day? I think that's stupid. I, I To him to not be in the record books with everybody else that did the exact same thing, I think that's ridiculous. You can make the same argument, and I'll take it a step further. Forget no hitter. Let's talk about perfect games. Yeah. I think Pedro Martinez – I want to say he had a perfect game – through nine innings and gave and allowed a base runner in extra innings. And a step further from that, let's, uh, back in the 1950s, there's this pitcher for the Pirates named Harvey Haddix, who not only had a perfect game through nine innings, he had a perfect game through 12 innings and finally gave up a hit 
in the 13th and ended up losing that game. Can you imagine retiring the first 36 batters you faced and that's not enough to get the yeah, win? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm that guy, I'm punching a water cooler How do you make the dugout trying to rile your team up for not putting anything up. Here's the thing. How do you feel if you're that other pitching staff? You're like, yeah, well, we didn't pitch a perfect game like the other guy, but hey, we still won. That's nuts. <laughs> um, the only other baseball one I have, and it throws the Yankees under the bus, I can't stand their policy on no facial hair and no long hair. How many players have we seen go there that Jose Reyes, or not Jose Reyes, he went to them. I guess that was with um, the that Mets. Was, yeah. But I, I guess Jer- Jason Giambi and uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, came from Boston. Uh, uh, Johnny, Johnny Damon. Damon yeah. Uh, we've seen guys go there have to cut their hair, have to shave their, their any, fa- any face hair. You can't have stubble on the field. And I think that's just the craziest thing. This is, and I'm not saying you have to allow these these beards that are a foot long when they play, but come on, guys, this is ridiculous. You're not letting them have any of that. That's now, and I want to. That's been intact for a long oh, time. Because I want to say back several the, decades. Yeah, back in the seventies. Now you, I, I want to say you could have had you could have mustaches, but like because Reggie Jackson had one, and but Cap, Mattingly did even but, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Mattingly did too. But Thurman Munson, anytime he grew out a beard, he had to shave. Well, didn't. It. Did Gossage ever pitch for the Yankees? Yes, he did. I think he, he. I think he got it cut down. So to I don't know. If, well. I don't know if that's when the Steinbrenners got more involved and they really implemented that. I kind of. And let's be honest. That's one of the reasons what made the 4 Red Sox great was that they were free. I mean, they, they had free will to do whatever they want. And, and I'm not again, more relaxed. I'm not saying you have to let them do the rattiest looking hair or, or beards, but to not even be able to carry a five o'clock shadow or a two day stubble out on the field is just crazy. Yeah, which okay. So since two thousand, since the end of the two thousand season, how many World Series rings have the Yankees won? Just the one in 09. Just the one in 09. How many have the Red Sox won? Three. Yeah. Was it three 04, or two? 04, 07, oh, uh, and thirteen. Okay. Oh, they, they, yeah, two of the three were against the Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, is that it for sports for you? That's it for sports. I have two others that are non-sports related. All right. I'm trying. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll try to think of some more. But you go on ahead with your first non-sports related. Uh, my first related one, non-sports one is uh, Twitter, and uh, the the movement from 140 to 208 characters, which I think is taken away from Twitter. The whole concept of Twitter, which is get your point out there, concise, and don't ramble on, because. You know what? If I want to read 280 characters, I go look on Facebook. I like it being short and concise, and I can scroll through my timeline and not have to click on more to read the whole thing. Oh, I'm the same way. So, I mean, I, you know, when, when you're a when you're a sports writer, you learn to abbreviate to keep stuff under 140 characters. Yep. So to me, that's kind of irked me. And there are only a few instances, like, and I'm talking a few, like if I'm listing stuff, if I ever wanted to use more than 100, yep. if I ever same. use the full 280. Here's my thing. Why why not start in increments? Like maybe one sixty. Well, I mean, I, I didn't understand the well, whole doubling. Where where are we going from there? I mean, because I remember remember your hundred and forty used to be limited if you put a picture in, and then they changed it to where you could have the picture but still have the full one forty. The picture took up twenty characters. Right. And so they changed it to that, and now it's two eighty on top of that. Where are we going from there? I mean, our, it's not like they're losing people to Facebook or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, it's basically like we're trying to turn this into Facebook status. No. Oh, let's write a book. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I'm not too much of a fan of that. Uh, you know what? I think I had one coming up, but why don't you go on with your next one? My final one is the Oxford comma. Oh, God. 
and how much of a fan of it I am. Oh, good. I have an issue with it not being used. I I understand why some people may not be a fan of it, but I've always used it, always been a fan of it. And for those of you who don't know, the Oxford comma is when you're listing three or more things, and right before the and, or or that you list, you have a comma. Or but, let's or not but. leave out that conjunction. Yeah, yeah. Before, it, before the conjunction, you have a comma before the second to last item. You know, so... And journalism I'm, would have been really rough on you. Yeah, I would have. I would have. That may have been one of the reasons I switched my major. <laughs> see, and I'm okay. See, and I, I always love it when people talk about that because I'm like, well, what's the? Because so the whole point of it is the and is a pause. The comma is a pause. So it's like when you have a comma and and, it's like a double pause. What to me? What do? You, okay, so to me, it's like. Uh, here's okay. So I've got one to follow up on that since we're on grammar. Well, well, before I get there, okay, go I'm, I'm just going to point out people are very, very polar on how they feel about this. I went in, my, my wife just finished her specialist degree a, cu- a month or two ago, and so I went into a local flower shop to send her an arrangement, and I listed, you know, from Brian, Corbin, and Britta. And I made sure to put a comma there, and the two florists went back and forth on whether there should be an Oxford comma. And I'm going, holy cow, I have two florists arguing about the Oxford comma. I said, this is really more of an issue than I ever realized. And and I explained to him how I'm a believer of it and how it can go either way, but I think it should be this way. So I made sure they added that comma. Uh, so go ahead with your last one. I just had to throw that in there. Oh, man, now I'm drawing a blank. I had it coming up. It was uh, grammar-related, I know. It was grammar-related. Um, oh, now I remember. Um, this is one that, you know, I, it was when I was, when we were in school, this was a very common thing. It was something we were taught and I completely understand it. And to my understanding nowadays, it's not a big deal. And that is double spacing after periods. Now, now, yeah, now. Okay. So in, I I was growing, okay. So it was kind of like whenever I was growing up and I had to know when to use the Oxford comma and when not, like when I'm writing academic papers, use the Oxford comma. When you're writing stories for the newspaper, don't use the Oxford comma. It's like whenever I was growing up in in journalism, in, in newspaper stories, you only single space after periods. But whenever I was writing papers in college and writing them in high school, I still did the double space and I went back and forth. And I had a bunch of friends who just was like, eh, I'm just going to do single space after periods all the time. Well, okay, so apparently, I mean, that was the whole point of the whole double spacing is you know it's the end of a it's the end of a sentence. Yeah. I, I To me, I don't understand why, and I don't think I heard about this until recently, but like a lot of people are going away from the double spacing. Like, I always did what's it. the point? I always did it because it gave a clear break between right. the two because otherwise it kind of looks run on me but i get it it's it's either or it's one of those things sim- similar to the comma yeah it, it, to me i just never understood why that went away i guess it's really hard for people to go back and forth i'm sorry if i can go back and forth between the oxford comma you can go back and forth between single spacing and double spacing it can't be that difficult uh i mean do we uh, i mean i feel like we are on the lighter edge on this one do we is there anything else we need to grieve about or air our grievances that's, about? that's all i had we'll we'll for sure do it again next year same same date to 
air more grievances because I'm sure I'll have more. This was just a short list. I was going to say, I mean, we, we've got the bragging rights game later today. We might yep. air some grievances the, about that. Hopefully, we're not airing grievances. The about two, that. the two elder Jackson brothers will be taking our dad to to the bragging rights game for the eighth year in a row. We do this first Christmas present every year because let's face it, dads are impossible to shop but, for. But there is a new twist this year. Yep, yep. Corbin will be making his first one, so we'll have three generations of Jacksons at the bragging rights game for the first time. And it, and we do anticipate it being capacity not only half Both full. Both sides have sold out their allotments, and uh, there will be a lot more vitriol than in in the last few years. There's there's Mizzou has taken a couple um, signees from from Illinois between uh, Jeremiah Tillman this year and Javon Pickett next year. So I mean, okay, so uh, bold prediction. What what do you think is going to happen tonight? Uh, which game? Well, the Brian Wright's game. Oh, I thought I said uh, bold. I thought <laughs> oh, I said I'm bold sorry, prediction. Bold prediction. My um, you know, I haven't got to look at the spread to see what they think, but I Illinois's been been they've hit a couple bumps lately, and as much as Mizzou is dogged on for their turnovers, Illinois is just as bad. So I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think, but I see Mizzou winning by a possession. Okay, this one surprises me a little. The spread is actually. Uh, four and a half in Mizzou's favor. That's a little high. I figured it would be maybe a two point. Oh, spread. I thought it'd be more because Illinois had a couple bumps. I know I, they hit a couple bumps, but man, that, it, it's still scary. It's like I, how, it's like how we talk. Uh, you know, every year Kansas is always better than Missouri, but when those two teams played in Columbia, so, throw out the records. I did. To well, me, I so I like I think it'll be this. a one possession game. I think Mizzou will pull it out. Um, if it's more than a possession, it'll be because Mizzou was up a possession. Illinois missed a shot and has to foul. But I, I think it's going to come down to the wire. Strangely enough, this is one of those games if Missouri were able to get to a double-digit lead in the first half, that's actually probably when I get nervous because I don't know if they can hold that lead. It's one of those where if, I feel like I like their chances better of stealing it at the watch, end than so, taking an early lead and holding it. So watch it to through. see. Mark Smith could go off for a big game. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And watch for Mizzou's big men in foul trouble because those will be the two big things there. Um, it should be a good game. Like I said, we've, we've gone on years when Mizzou's done excellent. We've done on years when Mizzou stunk it up. It's always a fun trip. So um, we'll, we'll bring it home either way. All right. Well, that's uh, that does it for our episode. Uh, just want to say not only happy Festivus to everybody, but Merry Christmas. Have a happy New Year. Um, we'll probably do our next episode sometime after New Year's. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it.